Well, good morning. How's everybody today? Does everybody have their sugar fix? <laughs> we do. We have more candy at home than we need. Y'all come on over after. Our kids will give all their candy to you, and they'll be okay with that, right? No. They're shaking their head no. All right. If you're a Kidmo, we're going to go ahead and let you be dismissed. You can head on back to the Kidmo room with our, our Kidmo leaders. If you're a guest today and you have a second through fifth grader, then uh, you are more than welcome to walk back and see where they're headed. They have a time for their own small groups, teaching, some fun and games that they do as well. And uh, so you're more than welcome to walk back and see what's going on back there. Uh, glad to have you today. We're starting a new series called Inside Out. And one of the things we want to talk about over the next few weeks is what does it look like to walk with God for Him to be with you and for your relationship with Him to be real, to feel authentic, to know that He's there and also, how do we experience change because of that relationship? Before we get started in that, just a couple of things. Uh, number one, uh, as you have already heard, we have a parents' night out that's coming up in December. We're doing things a little different this time. We are charging a small fee for, for parents' night out. That's going to go to cover all their food. They do a lot of crafts, and they do a ton of stuff here. It will be a great three hours for you to get away, and they will have uh, not only be safe, but they're going to have fun here and they will really enjoy it. So we hope that you'll come. You are more than welcome to invite friends to be a part of this. However, we need to know how many people are coming. So if you would register online, journeychattanooga.com forward slash PNO for Parents Night Out. See, it's so easy. So if you would uh, register there, that way we just know how much to have and how many to plan for. It's going to be a great night for them. If you need to Christmas shopping, whatever you can do that. Also, I just wanted to offer, if anyone would like, uh, this week, uh, 1040 Connections, which many of you are familiar with, they're one of the mission groups that we have worked with over the last few years who are doing great things around the world, primarily in India and Nepal, and uh, they do everything from uh, church planning to rescuing women from uh, trafficking and enslavement to building wells. They just they do so many things, an over-encompassing ministry to meet the needs of those who are in need and then to lead them to know Christ. They, uh, they are just a fantastic ministry doing things, and uh, we love being a part of that. So they do every year a fundraising banquet um, that they also just want to be kind of a opening to let people know what's coming up in the coming year. Uh, we have a table or actually a couple of tables, that if you would like to attend this banquet, it is this Thursday night. I think we have six spots left. doesn't cost you a thing. If you want to financially support them, you can. If you don't, you just want to come enjoy dinner and see what's going on, you can do that as well. If you're interested in that, please come see me. Come tell me that you're interested, and uh, we'll give you all the rest of the details for that. It's just a great ministry. It's a great opportunity to be a part of, and uh, if you'd like to go, we would love for you to come uh, with us. Now, as we're starting our, our series today, Inside Out, the idea of living inside out is central to Christian faith. And it, there is no way that you can live your life following Christ by being able to modify exterior parts of your life, but be unchanged what's going on inside of us. All the changes that happen to us by following Christ start on the inside and work their way out. But we in the church like to talk about outside things. It's easier. We have some control over that. We can talk about behaviors that are good and behaviors that are bad. We find apostles that did that. We find that Jesus did that. 
it's much easier to talk about our outside things that are going on with us. It's much more difficult to talk about what's happening inside of us. And so what our hope is, is that we will, as followers of Jesus, be able to be truly changed from the inside. And rather than trying to create some false facade of who we are, instead what comes out of us is completely motivated and moved by the Holy Spirit. If you want to follow along, you can follow along on version. If you've got a smartphone, a tablet, uh, or if you want to bring a, a laptop, you can do that. Um, if you have a desktop you want to bring, it works on those as well. But uh, So you can follow along on version. There's the link you can go to. You can also just search from the events tab, and you can find us, and uh, you can follow along with the scriptures and the notes that I'm going to give you today. You can also, uh, it's a great tool for reading plans, just for reading scripture on the go, uh, it's a great thing for you to use for that. So we encourage you to take advantage of version. Here's what we know. There are many things in life that we can successfully decide to change about ourselves. We can just make the decision, I want this to be different about me. Now you may have that list. You probably do have that list of things that you want to work on now. As an adult, you can decide, I, I want a better career. I'm choosing to go back to school. That's a choice you can make. You can make a choice and say, you know what, I am tired of not eating right and feeling bad all the time. I'm going to choose to make that decision. That is on my to-do list to make that decision shortly, probably after Christmas. We can make that decision that I'm going to change this about me and we can experience success in that. We can choose the caliber of friends we're going to spend our time with, the kind of influence they have on us. We can successfully choose those things. We can choose to learn a new language. We can choose to lose weight. We can choose to stop smoking. We can choose to do a lot of things that change aspects of our life. You can successfully choose those things. But here's what we know, that the most difficult changes often require us to change behaviors that are very normal for us. Once they become normal, it becomes very different, difficult to change them. Once it's just become a part of our everyday lives, sometimes we don't even notice or recognize what changes need to be made or, or even what changes are happening in us. Some of those changes that have become normal, like if you're going to eat healthier, if you're going to learn a new language, if you're going to stop smoking, I know some of you are being very successful with that, which is awesome. If you're going to do that, it requires a deeper level of change within you, changing those normal habits and those normal behaviors. But all of those situations and many others that you can come up with completely depend on our ability to modify our behaviors. Now, if you have kids... You spend a lot of time trying to modify their behavior, right? And there are all kinds of accepted and not accepted ways of modifying behavior. They say you shouldn't lock a kid in a dark room for days on end. It works for us, but if you don't want to use that, that's fine. You can choose to not feed them for you know, a week or two, and it is a successful behavior modification tool, and it's good financially as well. Especially if you have teenagers, which we have two this week. We have a new teenager this week in our house. Emma had her birthday this week. Yeah, we're all excited for her. 
so bad for me. Yeah. No, we're excited about it. But we all have the opportunity not only to choose them, but then when it comes to being successful, the success depends on us. Our ability to affect change. Our ability not only to affect change, but to know what needs to be changed. Now, some of us are good at making decisions of the will. Some of us are great at being able to decide, this is what I'm going to do, and then I go and do it. And some of us struggle with those things. We find great feats throughout history of people who made a decision of the will that the direction something was going would not be the direction that it ended up with. And as some of us watched yesterday, we were a little nervous about how the Tennessee game was going to go at halftime. We hope that a work of their will brought it back around, and we're glad that it did. However, if you are a fan of college football, there was another play yesterday that masterfully demonstrated what happens when you are make a decision out of your will. Let's just watch that now. Now watch this, watch this. That's Duke's head coach. (laughs) What did I just see? All right. All right. Eight laterals. Miami was down. Time ran out. Eight laterals. They ran it back for a touchdown. Now, they called it back, said there was a block in the backfield. Then they reversed their decision. Now they're saying, no, that's not the case, and it should be overturned. But at the end of the day, they won the game based on that play. That move of their will to say, we got to keep this ball going. They asked the players, had you practiced this? They said, no, we just had to keep the ball alive. And so they did. And a work of the will caused that play to happen. And that was pretty amazing, right? So an embattled Miami team came back for the win. Now that's fantastic. And those are fun to watch. And we often know somebody that we can look at a great work of their will and that it has worked out well and we go, wow, if I could only do that, right? Man, if we could only do that, if I only had their willpower, if I only had their skills, if I only had the people in their life to encourage them and help them, if I only had this or I only had that, then I could do that too, but many times When our lives are focused on modifying our behaviors, we get very frustrated and we get very discouraged. Because when we try to modify our behaviors and we try to alter who we are, starting with the outside, but we don't change what's really happening within our hearts, we get frustrated and we get discouraged. Life-altering change requires a fundamental change 
and who you are as a person. And it is something that an act of the will will never be able to do for you. I'm talking about life-altering change. Now, you can change some things about you. You can change aspects about your behavior. You can change some of the ways you respond to situations when they come up. But I mean true life-altering change. The kind that you are no longer that person anymore. You are something else. It always has to have more than an act of the will. It requires a fundamental change in who you are. What we know is that when you try to accomplish it with just modifying behaviors, you'll become so discouraged that you'll believe that change on this level is unattainable. Unobtainable. I can't even talk this morning. Unobtainable. You will get frustrated. I have tried over and over again. That's why all these fly-by-night diet plans don't work. I've tried them all. I've given up. Because sometimes it requires a fundamental change in the way we see ourselves and the world around us. I've tried all kinds of ways to stop smoking, and I just haven't been able to do it. Because it requires a fundamental change in the way you see yourself and you see the world and the priorities that you have in the world. I've tried so hard, so many ways to get along with this person I work with. And it's just not working out. Because you're trying to make changes that require deeper changes within you that simply modifying your behavior will never be able to accomplish. And in the church, the greatest travity in spirituality is believing that God is only going to transform you if you're successful at modifying these behaviors. See, this happens to you and I all the time. It takes different flavors. It looks different ways for different people. But one of the greatest mistakes we've made in the church and in spirituality is taking all of the gospel and breaking it down into some kind of behavioral modification. If I can just change this about me, then God will love me. If I just change this about me, then God will be with me. If I just change this thing, this one thing that I know I shouldn't be doing, but if I could just change this one thing, I wouldn't have to be alone. God would be with me all the time, active in my life. Growing up, and I've I've talked about this before, we always had the offering envelopes with the good Christian checklist on the front. You all have remembered those if you grew up in the church. What was on the good Christian, what was on your good Christian checklist? Do you remember? Brought my Bible. Sunday school. Training union. Oh, you're revealing something there, Kim. Training union. That's a long time ago. (laughs) Training union. And then there was, then it was discipleship. And then I don't know what it was after that. But, um, all right. Be nice to your friends. That could be on there. Could be lots of them on there. There always was the, uh, because it is on a tithe check, I brought my tithe. You know, that's like extra credit. So if I do these things, maybe I will go to church more. Maybe I'll give a little more. If I volunteer more, maybe God will be with me and my life will change. I won't feel like I'm a fraud on the inside. That I, won't, I keep failing at trying to modify my behavior. Maybe if I just do a little bit more. And in the church and in the gospel, once we understand change as being our responsibility, 
then we get very frustrated and discouraged. And for all of us, we have to make the decision, is that the way we're going to live our lives? Maybe if I go to church more, maybe if I read more words in my Bible, I'll do five reading plans on version at one time. God will surely shine down on me if I have five of them going because most people won't even read one. Surely God will be active in my life. You can see that it doesn't take long with enough of these things that you become so discouraged and frustrated that you begin to believe that God's not real, that he doesn't care about you, and it's just a big waste of your time. It takes no time at all to learn that. Whenever we believe that true change happens out of the act of our wills, then we're going to fail. All Christians will spend lifetimes modifying their behaviors. I spend my life thinking through what are things that are not honoring to Christ. How do I modify my behavior based on obeying Him? And that does take some act of the will. Christians are going to spend their lifetime doing some modification of their behavior. To assume otherwise is to assume something that's just not true. We all are going to have to choose to modify our behavior. But it cannot be the source of what you are hoping for. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. If you're following you version, you can follow along there. If you need a Bible, we, we'll, we'll get you some. I don't know if we have our Bibles out. They're probably still in a box somewhere. All right, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Two things from Ephesians chapter 8, all right, or chapter 2, verse 8 through uh, 10. Number one, you and I are in need of grace. You and I are in need of grace. We need grace. We have to have grace. The gospel only works if grace is a part of it. We need grace. The second one is this, you and I cannot do it on our own. You and I can't do this on our own. If we're going to understand what it means to be changed from the inside out, we have to understand these two basic characteristics. And what you will find is that if you will change what is going on within your heart, the behaviors that are happening throughout the rest of your life will naturally change themselves. They will naturally change themselves. And it doesn't take a whole lot of extra effort because you will find you're not the one who is causing that change to happen. You can't know Christ by changing your your behavior. You can only know Christ by changing your heart, the bottom line. There are a lot of people that are attending churches today that have no interest in their heart being changed. They have every interest in God being part of their lives, but they don't really want to be changed. They like what's there. They like what they're focused on. Many of us, before we knew Christ, we were focused on us. What are our needs? What are our wants? What do we want? And when Christ came in, he changed all of that. You can't know Christ by changing your behavior. You can only know Christ by changing your heart. And the world will never get this 
And unfortunately, some of us struggle to get this as well. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. You've heard this before, right? It's folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. See, the world looks at the idea of being changed from the inside out, and they think that it's foolish. The world looks at the idea that something can happen within us that is completely caused by God, and they think that we are out of our minds. You'll be accused of being weak. You'll be accused of not being smart. You'll be accused of relying on old traditions that are outdated, that do not fit in this day and age. They look at the gospel, and since this is not something that can be done with an act of the will, they just don't get it. If we could do this on our own, people would not reject it the way that they do. It's something that can be attained. It's something that can be gained. It's something that I can do myself. It also explains why so many people will start out following Christ, and some of us do this as well. We start off following Christ, and we're excited, and we're just gangbusters for it. And then things begin to fall apart. We're not sure we believe it. We're not sure that it's true. And instead, we're ready just to give up. Jesus told a parable, the parable of the sower. And he talked about someone who was planting seed. And he threw seed out, and it fell in various areas. It fell on the road. It fell on good soil. It fell on rocky soil. It fell on the thorns and the thorns and weeds. And eventually, Jesus went on to explain this. And he talks about what happened when the gospel is not allowed to truly change us from the inside, but instead we just try to live it on the outside. And this is the explanation that he gave for the parable of the sower. It says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, world, excuse me, word, and it proves unfruitful. And for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word, he understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundredfold, in another 60, in another 30. This is what causes a lot of people to get discouraged and give up. The gospel is something that was meant to absolutely transform us. Whenever we make it about it's the way we act, it's the way things we say, then it loses all the power that we have in its life. What ends up happening is we walk out of these doors, we go do life however we're going to do life, and we go right back to the same patterns that we had before. We go right back to the same things, and they discourage us, and we're disappointed, but they're comfortable, and they're normal, and it takes no effort on our part to engage in those same behaviors. We come to church, and we smile, and we say, I love you, and then we leave the place, and we go to work, and we talk about how much we can't stand our coworkers. I wish they would get fired. 
We come and sing songs about what it looks like to be forgiven. Then someone wrongs us and we withhold forgiveness because we would just rather be angry with them than to truly forgive them. This is not something just bad Christians do. It's easy to say that. It's what all Christians do. There's a very real part of my life that I struggle through this behavior modification because there are times I preach one thing on Sunday and on Monday Deidre's preaching my sermon back to me, which I don't appreciate, quite honestly. Now what you said was... So all of us are going to struggle with this. It's easy to say, you know, it's those bad Christians. You know what happens when we say it's those bad Christians? It allows us to feel like we're better. Scripture calls that sin. <laughs> That's pride. It's ego. We're good at ego. We sanitize ego. We spiritualize ego. We make ego about everything but what it really is, which is ego and pride. All of us are going to struggle with this. There's not a good Christian who somehow lets the Holy Spirit be active and that they never sin, never have problems, never act in a way that is unhealthy or hurts others. It is impossible for that. There is one person that walked this world that's able to do that. That's Jesus. You and I are going to struggle with that, but at our very core, you will give up on the struggle unless you have authentically experienced Christ. That is what we want you to experience. Not just come to church just feel a little bit better about yourself i just hope that one day when all this is over if heaven's real we'll get to go there instead of the alternative we will get discouraged if we don't understand what it means to have that seed implanted in deep fertile ground let the roots grow and our hearts be changed different new what we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks is that it doesn't just add something to your life your heart is literally transformed into something else. Your life is literally transformed into something else. When it comes to changing our behaviors, if we haven't experienced Christ, we are, will be resistant because I want to be accepted for who I am. Once you know Christ, you don't care as much about being accepted for who you are. You want to be acceptable to Christ himself. It changes motives change the way we see things change and it's when you experience that that you can truly see what god wants to do in your life so let me let me kind of wrap up with the basic question the natural what's next question that comes out of this so if this is the case how are our hearts truly changed how does that happen if it's not an act of the will, how does that happen? Here's what we know. If you're familiar with the gospel, you've heard these things before. Number one, we need to recognize we're broken. We need to recognize that we're broken. We're hopeless. We're destined for judgment by God, our creator. You and I are guilty. We have been guilty. Adam and Eve may have primed the pump, but you and I were willing participants in it ever since. We are all guilty. We are all broken. We need something. This Wednesday night in our starting point group, we, we began talking about spiritual gifts and what does it look like to be able to really experience the Holy Spirit with, in our lives. And the thing I, I challenged our group with was, was simply this. If you will look through Scripture and find one role that you have in the process of salvation, you'll find that God is the author and instigator of all of it. 
has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with my ability to understand the gospel or to see spiritual things. It has nothing to do with me deciding, you know, I've got problems, I need help. I, I don't, we don't do that on our own. It has nothing to do with me saying God is worth it, God is worthy, I need to go after him. We don't do that on our own. In fact, John chapter 16, listen to this, it says this about how you would ever be encouraged to want to know Christ. It says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, this is the Holy Spirit that he's talking about. He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Do you realize that your ability even to recognize that sin exists is only because the Holy Spirit is active in your life? It's the only way you can even know that. The Holy Spirit has to show us that. It's the day that I realize, boy, God, I need help. It was not me who made that realization. It was the Holy Spirit telling me that, teaching me that, showing me that. And so we have nothing to boast about. I really saw it before you did. I really get God better than you did. No, we don't. It's the Holy Spirit who does all of this in us. The Holy Spirit causes us to recognize our need for Him. That's that's huge. It's not your ability to feel bad about your life. It's your ability to be be open to the conviction of the holy spirit the second thing we know is that we need to be forgiven for our sins first john 1 8 says if we have if we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness we need to be forgiven for our sins we can be and the truth is if you confess At the urging of the Holy Spirit, God will be faithful to forgive you. It's amazing the process that God has in this. The third thing we know is that, okay, so we do that. Many of you are at this point. How do I grow? How do I get deeper? How do I see God at work in my life? We have to be empowered to grow in our new faith. Galatians 5 talks about it this way. I say to you, walk by the, what's the word? It should be walked by the pastor, right? So whatever I tell you to do is what you're supposed to do, right? Awful lot of laughing. It'd be nice to walk by the pastor. Okay, we'll walk by Deidre. Walk by the pastor's wife. All right. So she probably is a better, better at that than I am. Walk by the Spirit. Now, if you're frustrated in your faith, you're frustrated because you're not walking by the Spirit. There you go. See, he's speaking right now. Did you hear that? I don't know what that was. If you're frustrated and believe that God does not love you, you're not able to yet tune in to what the Spirit is trying to tell you. If you've been attending church your whole life and you're ready to give up because all it means is more volunteering, more giving, more time away from your hobbies and the things you want to do, And you've not yet learned what it looks like to walk with the Spirit. Now, that doesn't mean that there won't be times in your life that God will seem distant. 
There are certainly things within our life or times in our life that God is going to seem distant. Even as we look through Scripture, Jesus himself felt God was distant from him and that God is part of the Trinity, three in one, yet he felt distant from him. As he's hung on the cross, he said, why have you forsaken me? He felt distant from him. But overall, our ability to know God is our ability to walk in the Spirit. I'll walk by the Spirit. You'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. To keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. You've heard these. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. These are the things that just happen by being led by the Spirit. I don't care how hard you try to modify your behavior. You cannot modify your behavior so that you're no longer angry. It doesn't matter how many tools you put in your tool belt. It doesn't matter how many books you read. It doesn't matter how many people you talk to. You'll never modify your behavior enough to be willing to forgive someone who has wronged you severely. You'll never modify that of your own will. It won't happen. That's why we say, I'll forgive you, but I'll never forget. That's exactly what we're saying. I'll forgive you, but I'll never give you a chance to do that to me again. Because something deeper has to change in us. To be able to do those things. How about envy? How many of us live our li- lives based on envy? I just want what somebody else has. It's easy to talk about that when it has to do with physical things. Man, I want their stuff. What it, what it really begins to turn us on the inside is I want their life. I want what they have in their family. I, I want the peace that he has in the life that he's living. When you start talking about envying those things, try modifying your behavior out of them. Try starting on the outside and hoping that if I just change enough of these things on the outside, the inside will somehow change. Try that, and it will be a surefire doorway to discouragement and frustration. See, those deeper things can only be changed from the inside out. Imagine what it would look like to live a life that instead of being pushed towards those things, you are pushed towards love. Not discouragement or frustration, but joy. How many of us would give up everything we have to experience peace? We talked about last week, a lot of the times when, when Scripture talks about peace, it's not that nothing is going wrong in your life, but that you are at peace with God and no longer at war with Him. How many of us would give up everything to feel peace? We don't give up everything because we're afraid we still won't experience peace and then we won't have anything either. So we hold on to it all and keep going to church more and volunteering more and giving more and still get frustrated. What about patience? Try to modify your behavior into that one. It won't happen. Kindness? Here's the thing. You can modify your behavior and appear kind. But you will be found out. You will slip. 
and the real you will come out. You can spend a lifetime trying to build up a facade of being kind. And if it's not who you are on the inside, something will happen and it will undo a lifetime of hard work. See, some of these are only capable of happening with the spirit within us. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such thing, there is no law. When your heart has changed, your relationships to everyone and everything else is changed too. I want to encourage you over these next few weeks. What we're going to what we're going to do over the next few weeks is talk about some more specifics. There's a lot of general stuff I'm kind of throwing your way today. I hope as you're walking out of this, the main thing that you're going to walk away with is, I need, I need to be aware of my behaviors and what honors and doesn't honor Christ, but I need to be in tune with what the Holy Spirit wants to do in my heart. That is where real change happens. Scripture goes on to talk about what happens with a new believer. We'll talk about that over these next few weeks. You are literally a new person. The old is gone. The new has come. I want us all to experience that. For some of you who have been Christians for a very long time, and you're thinking, I get this, and I've, ex- I've had my old and new experience but I'm going on this for several years now. What does it look like ongoing? I, we're going to talk about that. What does it look like ongoing? You know, the, the statisticians tell us that your most effective time to win others to Christ is right as you have experienced Him for the first time yourself because we're excited. We're overwhelmed. It's real. The world opens up in a way that we did not realize it existed. And yet over time, that fades similar to Moses when he experienced the presence of God and he lit up as he came down his time away from being right in the face of God, that glowing just diminished. That happens sometimes. How do we deal with that moving forward? But ultimately, true change can only happen from the inside out. It's the only way real change can happen. For you and I, if we want to be changed, the Holy Spirit was going to have to be doing the work. So I encourage you, for some of you, you come from a background where you, you, we just didn't talk about the Holy Spirit. I mean, it was just kind of ner- scary and nervous. We, we, also, we used to refer to the Holy Spirit as the Holy Ghost because it was confusing and mysterious. The Holy Spirit is literally one of the Godheads. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all one God working in three persons, God actively working. Your salvation is not by accident. The fact that you can know God is not by accident. It's also not because you did something right. It's because God did something right. And he's invited us into that relationship with him. I want to pray with you, and for some of you that are here today, you are so desperate for this change on the inside, you would do anything for it. Some are so desperate for change in your your family that you would do anything. You would give up anything to have change in your family. Some of you are so frustrated at work or at school, and you're just, you're so tired of it. You're so desperate for that change. I just want you to know that that's what God does within us. If you and I try to do it on our own as if he doesn't matter, we were going to fail. 
we're going to get frustrated. I want to encourage you to try something different. Fully embrace that change. I will tell you the most uncomfortable you will ever be is at the moment that you decide to embrace this because it's going to require a level of humility that you and I are never comfortable with. We don't like humility. We don't like being humble. We don't like saying someone else more important than me. We want to say me, me, me. But at the point that we're ready to know Christ and the Holy Spirit can begin to change what's going on within us, it comes at our willingness to say it's not about me. It takes humility. You don't confess sin without humility. You don't say I need a Savior without humility. You don't give up your daily motives and goals for the things that God wants without humility, but it is highly uncomfortable. It's tough. But I want you to know that God is ready to make it happen in your life. Pray with me. Father, God, I thank you for the grace that you've given us for the time after time after time that we just want to do it our own way. We just want you to come alongside and follow our plan. We just want to be able to change a few little things about us and everything just work out. But God, you want to really change who we are. You want to change us at our core. You want to change what's going on deep within us so that everything on the outside is a reflection of what's happening on the inside. Father, I thank you that you've given us will. I thank you that you've given us an opportunity to choose. I thank you that we can make decisions, that we can decide that we're going to respond differently than we have in the past. But God, the only thing that can happen with our change of behavior are just these simple things. You can, you can transform us. Father, I pray that in these next few minutes, as we worship, and as we sing. Father, I pray that you would begin to lay the groundwork for us to trust that your love is overwhelming. I pray that you would continue to work in the lives of those in this room that have given their hearts to you, and they are experiencing this life change. I pray over these next few weeks, those that are frustrated and ready to give up, Father, you will begin to change them from the inside out. We thank you for your love and your grace. We thank you for the gift of your son. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.